You've probably received some RSVPs this past Christmas. I learned something, by the way. Um, I used to think RSVP meant respond soon, verifying presence. I just guessed at it. And, yeah, I see some of you laughing out there. He's so uncultured. (laughs) It's actually a French term. I don't know French, but it's actually a French term, according to that that, uh, very uh, uh, time-bound source, Wikipedia. It actually um, means please respond. That's all it is. Please respond. Either way, are you going to come or you're not going to come? There's an invitation, RSVP, please respond. I just want to share with you this morning in the time we have remaining that during this time of year, Christmas is sort of God's way of inviting us to another way of seeing, another way of believing, another way of living. God gives us, if you will, a RSVP. Please respond. And these are the invitations that God gives us. One invitation. We are invited to experience Christ born in our hearts every day. And not just in a stable over 2,000 years ago. You could probably sing this verse with me. O holy child of Bethlehem, Descend to us, we pray, cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. Now, I like to always say this is kind of Quakers at their best experience. Christmas, not just once a year, but every day. Every day we have this opportunity to welcome the living Christ who can be born in us the one who descends to us, the one who casts out our sin, the one who abides with us every day. Social activist, Catholic social worker, Dorothy Day wrote this, Christ is always with us, always asking for room in our hearts. So maybe a different way that we can think of conversion is that process of making room in our hearts for Christ. The Christmas story always tells us there is no room in the inn. So maybe I can ask if there's room in my heart for the presence of Christ, for the way of Jesus, for the life that Jesus invites me to live. If that's the case, then part of this process means I need to make room and to look at my life in a very sincere and honest way and see what it is that's crowding that out. In a few weeks or a few days, I should say, you'll probably go through that process. We all do. What needs to stay? What needs to go? How is my heart cluttered? How is it overcrowded? What, is my, what are my new goals? Where has my journey taken me? So maybe in the next few days as we move up to Christmas and we move into the new year, maybe a question that we can ask or I can ask or you can ask an invitation is, how can I make more room in my heart for the presence of the living Christ? What would that look like? And maybe what do I need to move out to make space for Christ? We're also invited to experience Christ as the one who enters our world, even in all of its messiness. Now, that's the part I love. This is the power of the image of a stable. Jesus wasn't born in a palace or a sanitary hospital room, but in a very messy stable filled with everything that comes with a working stable. And yes, everything that comes with a working stable. A few years ago, we took a short family Thanksgiving trip to uh, Sparta area, Chad and Aaron and Linda and I. And then we went on one of the days after Thanksgiving to a Christmas tree farm up around there. I don't know the name. 
purchase a, a nice wreath that we could take home with us. Now, this place had ample parking. It had lots of trees up the hillside. had wagons willing to shuttle you to and from the parking lot and to and from the hillside. The place was amazing. And then we go into the barn. And in the barn or the stable, you've got this ramped-up place. You've got hot chocolate. You got hot cider to drink. You had nice places to sit. And even one of the stalls had a TV set up playing a movie so restless kids could sit on the hay bales and entertain themselves. And I'm thinking, now this is a barn I could work with. It's not necessarily the kind of stable Jesus was probably experiencing. The power of the Christmas story is that we can remind ourselves that Jesus was born right into the messiness of life, into the messiness of a young couple who had no idea what the future held, into the messiness of a world that had power and oppression and domination and sadness and disappointment. We don't have to clean things up. We don't have to tidy up our lives before Jesus enters in. We don't have to get things straight and get things right and move stuff from one room or throw it in the closet so no one will see it. Jesus is born right into this mess. I'm not much of a doomsday person, but right now I feel we're all kind of in a mess. Our world feels like a mess. Some of the prayer concerns here, I wouldn't call it a mess, but there is a messiness to life. That sometimes we can't figure out, and Jesus is born right into that. We don't have to tidy it up before that's real and before he's present. What kind of mess are you willing to invite Jesus into? The mess that Jesus wants to be born into in your life. And then we're invited to partner with God in bringing to birth God's presence and love in this world. This is what Mary did. She made herself available to God and partnered with God in bringing God's presence and love into this world. Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. God is looking for partnerships. God is looking for people to continue God's reconciling and restoring work in this world. God found one in Mary, and Mary said yes. I don't know what would have happened if Mary had said no. She could have. I suppose God would have gone looking for someone else. But God is looking to us and for us to be able to say, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And like Mary, this this is not a work we do on our own, but a work that the Holy Spirit does within us. Plants within us a leading, a concern, an idea. We're inspired to do something in this world that God needs to have done. As a... As a meeting, when I take stock and I look back this past year, I'm always gratified as how this meeting, you all, we all partner with God in seeing God's work here in this community. Hand-to-hand pantry just down the street. Uh, I figured up in my head between Open Door Shelter and Leslie's House, we have served approximately 1,500 meals this past year to hungry and under-resourced folks. The Giving Tree and all sorts of Gifts of love, blanketing high point with love, funds through the benevolence fund, the love expressed for Kat and Dave Smith through gift cards, and so on and so forth, and things I haven't even mentioned, but that's what it is to partner with God to bring God's reconciling and restoring work in this world. And for us to be able to say, even as individuals and as a meeting, I am the Lord's servant, may it be to us as you have said, is a powerful word. It's a powerful 
It's a powerful acceptance of God's invitation to cooperate and work with God in bringing God's reconciling work to this earth. Now, three invitations. We're invited to experience Christ born in our life in the everyday. We're invited to invite God into the messiness of our life. We're invited to partner with God in bringing God, God's presence to bear in this world, God's presence to birth in this world. We're invited to that. There's an RSVP that's been sent in the form of a person, Jesus. Now, I want to read for you something that I got this past week. I shared it with Linda. It's from a friend. And as I read this, I thought this personal email sums up all three. A person who has invited Christ into the messiness of their life, a person who, has see, who sees Christ's presence in the everyday, a person who looks beyond just where they are right now and is seeking to somehow partner with God and bring in healing to this world. It's an email from Leanne Venable. Terry shared it. And he shared it with us as our pastor's covenant group. And I read it, and I was just overwhelmed. And so I emailed her. I said, this is powerful, Leanne. Can I share it? Do you mind? And she said, no. She wants to be very vulnerable and open. For those who don't know Leanne and Terry are friends of Linda and I. They've attended here. Terry pastors at one of the friends' meetings in our yearly meeting. Uh, Leanne just uh, not too long ago discovered she has breast cancer and has had surgery, and now she's had one round of chemotherapy and is scheduled to have her second round pretty soon. I'm going to read this just as she wrote it because I think she brings all of this together. And then I'm going to sit down because I want us to soak in it for a few moments. I'm going to be very parental too. When I sit down, don't reach for your hymn book. Just sit. Be patient. This has not been a good week. After an initial what seemed to be positive response to my first round of chemo, my white blood cells decided to exit stage right, and I got sick. This week has been spent weak, feverish, and unable to do things I love to do this time of year. Bake, wrap, decorate, plan, and prepare. This week has been spent beneath blankets, regularly checking temperature for the dreaded 100.5 number to appear, which it did several times and then some. It has been spent trying to heal and avoid a hospital stay. I missed the nutcracker with my girls, Mom, Lindsay, and Quinn. I missed a night out with good friends. I missed multiple days of work. Even as I tried to keep at home between chills, it has not been a good week. In exasperation and defeat, I suddenly asked, who invited cancer to Christmas? The question was asked as only a willful two-year-old can because I felt much like a two-year-old when asking. With full-blown temper tantrum, fist clenched, feet stomping, and screeching my anger, I shook with rage and disappointment. This is not how Ava Gray's first Christmas is supposed to be, her first grandchild. I want to enjoy and hold her and see the magic that begins now, even though she's too young to understand. Instead, I have to be careful around her and everyone because I'm a cancer patient with scary low white blood counts and my body has nothing with which to fight, so I'm careful. I'll be careful around Andrew as he comes to town this weekend with Emily and Brian. I'll be careful at Quinn's second birthday party tomorrow. I'll be careful at church on Sunday. I'll be careful. And then silence spoke. In the middle of the night, after fighting fever for five days, I awakened. And in the stillness and the quiet, my temper tantrum eased, and I lay still. 
It was then that I began to understand this is what Christmas is. This is what Christmas does. I had it all wrong. What better place to face down the darkness of disease than at the birth of hope, the gift of promise? So cancer, you can come to Christmas, but I warn you, what you find you may not understand. There is nothing that you can do to me here. Oh, I know. You're going to take my hair. You've changed the way I live my life at the moment. You will require painful shots moving forward, and you will exact your pound of flesh in the form of more surgeries. But that is all you can do. Even if it is my life you claim, even that has the power, no power at the foot of the manger. So I welcome you here because you are defeated. But this understanding is really bigger than me and the cancer that I fight. As I look around this great big bouncing ball that we all share and the mess that we have made of it, I think there's more that needs to be brought before the Christ child and laid at the feet of hope. The cries of grieving mothers, the rumble of empty bellies, and the sounds of anguish brought about by injustice, all the more. What if we have packaged them up and laid them at his feet? What if we collectively, we acknowledge that we haven't done such a hot job of making the world a better place, and we really try to live according to the message of the Prince of Peace? Feed the hungry, comfort the sick, turn the other cheek, care for the outcast. And just because they are fellow human beings and no other reason, no agenda, no litmus test, no judging, no anything other than an understanding that it was what our God did when he walked the planet. But how? I mean, really, to follow, to do everything out of service? There have been those that did so. Mother Teresa, Gandhi, those names that inspire awe and excuse because they couldn't have possibly been human. But... What if I could do something and that something is more than I now do? What if we could do something that is more than what we now do? What could the promise do through us if we made our faith a living faith and invited hell on earth to Christmas because that is where it loses and hope wins? And so, while the wise men brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh, I bring cancer and so much more. I humbly ask that God show me how to stand up from the celebrations and walk out into a hurting world and to act according to his will. Will you join me? That's what she asks. 